Hi, this is Everett Crockett, and welcome to TRS, your retirement in focus. Ladies and gentlemen, if you will recall, on our last episode, we spent some time talking with Jennifer Ulrich, the Retirement Operations Manager for the Retirement Services Division. Well, this week, we'll have a continuation of her interview as Jennifer will wrap up the discussion on the do's and don'ts of reporting a retiree's death and how deaths and overpayments are processed. Well, I, I would imagine that a beneficiary who happens to be a minor, things might be a little bit different. What's that process for TRS to pay out that benefit and uh, and what's required? So for our minors, we ask that a parent, a legal parent or guardian, fill out the paperwork and sign on behalf of the minor child. We will require a birth certificate of the minor and we will require identification and just we need to know how that legal guardian is associated. If it's a birth mother or a birth father, we just need the birth certificate to show that. Mm-hmm. We actually had a scenario where a legal guardian was a brother and the brother had to provide guardianship paperwork from the court showing that they were the guardian of the minor and they could apply for the benefits for them. Now, one thing that the guardians need to understand, once that minor turns 18, they no longer have to have them on their account. We usually ask the guardians of the minors to set up an account for that child. Mm -hmm. So that benefit is going directly in their account and not someone's personal account aside from the minor. And so at 18, they can say, hey, if it's their parent, I don't want my parent on my account anymore. Take their name off. And then now we're dealing directly with the adult child. Well, not the adult child, (laughs) not the adult child, but you know, (laughs) well, at 18, I think they're still an adult child. (laughs) Yeah. So then, you know, they have the authority to act on the account on their own without needing a guardian to be over it. Okay. So let's go to the other extreme. We've talked about minors as beneficiaries. We recognize also that some beneficiaries are older themselves and need assistance with their affairs. For example, a a beneficiary is a spouse, has a spouse who's 80 years old or a son takes her care of her finances. What documentation does TRS require in those kinds of circumstances? If a beneficiary needs assistance with handling their affairs, We always suggest to them if they don't have a power of attorney, they may want to seek that. And so sometimes we get uh, family members saying, oh, I just want to help them out. And what we do recommend is that they can get a power of attorney document drafted up uh, and get it notarized and send it over along with their ID. Mm -hmm. And then they'll be able to call TRS and act on behalf of that retiree uh, or the beneficiary. Um, but we would need that before we can talk to them. Otherwise, we would have to get release form every time we talk to the individual to release information. So if you have someone that has, um, you know, hey, I got five kids and any kid that's at the house, I'm going to have them call TRS. Mm -hmm. We would suggest instead of having to go, you know, through all those steps, just send us a power of attorney document mm-hmm. or you can sign a release form so that we can we're authorized to release information to a certain individual that they designate. I see that's definitely a better avenue to go. 
All right. Yes. Let's move on to the last section for the day. Probably not the most exciting subject or, you know, <laughs> but uh, let's talk a little bit about deaths and overpayments. Jennifer, you mentioned obituaries earlier. Can you tell us about the process of viewing obituaries and for what purposes does retirement services use them? Sometimes we get a call um, or we don't get a call. We also have a third party vendor that uh, processes a death search for us. So some, So if no one has reported a death, then they indicate to us, we've got a person with the same social security number and the same name and the same date of birth that is showing up as deceased. When we look at the obituary, it kind of helps us identify uh, a couple of things. Uh, honestly, it tells the story of this retiree. It tells us, one, if their primary beneficiary is living, uh, two, what are all the family members that are involved? So someone with a common name uh, like Jane Smith, mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of Jane Smiths mm -hmm. in the world. And the only way we can identify if our, this is our Jane Smith, maybe through their obituary, identifying specific family members that are also located on our file or any applications that the retiree had on file with us. So it kind of helps us to see. Um, most of the time, we'll figure out if uh, a primary beneficiary, such as a spouse, is still living or not. Mm -hmm. uh, obituary will say that they were predeceased by their, you know, loved one of yeah. 50 years. Yeah. And then that lets us know before anyone even tells us that, hey, our primary beneficiary is also deceased. Mm -hmm. um, or it could be a, another loved one. It could be one of their children or a sister or a mother that they leave that, um, obituary kind of gives us the clues and kind of points us in the right direction to make sure that we are properly deactivating the correct account. We do have instances sometimes, um, and one funny instance we had, um, we had a retiree, we didn't know this, but he was a twin. Oh. Um, and he came up on a death search report. Uh, his social security number was one number off from his twin. <laughs> so we absolutely thought that our retiree was deceased. So we got a call from our retiree and he said, you know, this has been happening to me quite often. And I've been having long conversations with Social Security. That's my actual, that's actually my twin brother that passed away. Oh my goodness. Um, that I, I think one, one was like John and one was like Jim. And it, could, it was where that some people would say, oh, that would be the nickname for our retiree. And so we actually deactivated his account, but when he, once he called us and let us know that, hey, I'm a twin and this has been happening often, you know, we restored his account immediately. But um, yeah, that that happens. And so when we're looking at obituaries, that would be an indicator that this person was survived by a brother that could be the name of our retiree or beneficiary. So yeah, that obituary gives us a lot of clues. You know, one thing you mentioned there, which is very common during data entry, not saying that happens a lot at TRS, uh, but anywhere, and even as I type, sometimes you miss the digit two when you hit the digit three or vice versa or something like that. So that one digit being off in the SSN could cause a lot of headache for uh, our retirees or in particular for our staff. So yeah, very important to be accurate as we enter what we should be entering. Okay. Relative to fraud, Jennifer, how often does TRS encounter it? As it relates to fraud, we don't encounter it that often. With fraud, we look at it as someone that is, their purpose is to take benefits that they know don't belong to them. Now, um, we do overpay benefits 
Um, and that is due to the fact that when someone reports a death, if it's not timely, we've already have our schedule on how we pay benefits out. So for kind of an example, if someone passes away on the end of the month, and you know we pay benefits on the first business day mm -hmm. of the month, if they don't let us know until the middle of the following month, we've already paid the benefits for that month. And we have some of our customers, they don't believe that they have to fill out paperwork. They just know that their loved one told them, hey, you're going to get a benefit from TRS. So they don't ever call to report. And unless we get notification that this person passed away, we may continue to pay the benefit out. And so it's not that the customer, you know, their intent was to defraud TRS. It was just a lack of knowledge. So one of the things that I hope that I really want to convey to our customers out there is if you're, if our retirees pass away, it is important that we get notified in a timely manner because those benefits that are overpaid that aren't due to that mm -hmm. retiree, they all have to be paid back to TRS. Wow. I've heard stories of, I mean, blatant fraud where individuals have known that someone has, you know, passed away and they knew they passed away. And yet for years and years and years, continued to collect all kinds of payments, social security, retirement and the such. So I know that's a big category and I know it places a strain on, you know, companies' resources to have to research it and do what you have to do to recoup it. <laughs> <laughs> what is an overpayment? And how does TRS recover overpayments? So an overpayment, um, we have three departments within the Retirement Services Division. Um, a large part of our overpayments come from the retired death section. And, and they're just basically when we are notified um, after we've paid a benefit, the month after the retiree passes mm -hmm. away. Um, if we're not notified in a timely manner, we're going to continue to pay those benefits. So any benefit paid to a deceased retiree after the month of death is not that no one is entitled to receive that benefit and those benefits need to be paid back to us. Um, so that's how the overpayments occur in retired death. Um, in the return to work sir, uh, department, overpayments are incurred for two things. Either they're out of compliance with Georgia law and the return to work um, guidelines, or they have uh, disability um, retirement, and they're only and they return to work. They're only allotted a certain amount that they can make, and they can't go over their um, salary limitation. And once they go over it, then that's when overpayments are occurred. Um, and if they are out of compliance with Georgia law and the TRS return to work guidelines, then that's when overpayments occur in that area. Um, and finally, in our master payroll section, if a person, let's just say, for instance, they're getting a paper check, uh, and we're hoping that people aren't getting paper checks anymore, mm -hmm. but um, if, <laughs> if they're getting a paper check, and let's just say, you know, late as of late, the mail has not been our friend, you know, it comes maybe a week later, two weeks mm -hmm. later. So, you waiting on your payment and it doesn't come and it's a week or two late, then you call TRS and say, hey, I need a replacement check. And then as you're asking for a replacement check, you also get your original check, but you cash both oh, of them. No. And so you're only entitled to the one. And so if you cash the other one, then you got to repay that back to us. So that's how an overpayment can occur 
in that area, those are some of the more common uh, ways that an overpayment occurs across the board. And how we try to recoup them is definitely we want to make sure that we're reaching out to our customers to say, you know, hey, we know that there's an overpayment. We just request the money back. Um, sometimes people just are unaware. Mm -hmm. They're just unaware. Well, I'm, I, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't know that that payment was due back to TRS, but let me just go ahead and, and take care of that. And other people, they spend the money um, with no intention on giving it back. I had someone recently, uh, they shared an account with the retiree, but since the retiree passed away, they removed that person off of the account. Mm -hmm. Well, we paid a benefit into that account. And, you know, we had uh, what we call a reclamation process mm -hmm. is when we go to the retiree's bank and we ask them to send the funds back to us. Well, their bank, the retiree's bank actually sent us the money, but the person was very upset that we actually took that, well, not we, but the bank took the money back because he said that it was in his account and it was no longer the deceased retiree's account. So yeah, we, we, we have, we can write a book on <laughs> overpayments at TRS, but uh, <laughs> for the most part, we try to be as friendly and as amicable as possible with our customers because we want to make sure that we continue that lasting relationship. Yeah. yeah, we but, you know, we also want to make sure that we're preserving the fun for our future educators, which could be their family members. So it is important that we get all those overpaid benefits paid back into us to make sure that our fund is sound for the future. Wow, that's 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 great. It's good to look out for the future and maintain the integrity of all that we do and for those whom we do our work. So, all right, when we're getting down to the very last question mm -hmm. here, lastly, mm -hmm. do you have any tips for our members and their beneficiaries as it relates to receiving payments? We ask that uh, if they have any issues with filling out the paperwork, call us. Uh, because what we hate to do is get paperwork and it's not filled out correctly. And we have no line of communication. So we have to mail it back to you. And that could delay the process. Um, we want to work with any, anyone. And we do know that um, a death of, of a family member is a very emotional trying time. But we also know for some, it's a financial uh, burden for mm -hmm. others. Um, they may have lost their spouse, which they have lost half of their income. So we know that they have bills to pay. And so we want to make sure that we do everything to accommodate them um, as best we can. So my suggestion is if anyone has questions about our process or whatever, definitely give us a call. We're more than willing to help. We have specialists and people on our team that, you know, we get calls every day. We walk them through the process of their paperwork. Um, and currently we're in trying to get a better way to get documents to us a little mm -hmm. faster. And hopefully that'll roll out really soon because we know during this time it's been it's been hard for people to get out of their house and people that don't have access to a computer or a fax machine or, or anything like that. And it, definitely with the way the mail is going, it could delay and those things are out of our control. But we definitely would try to do the best we can. But we just got to know, you know, if we don't know. There's a lot of times we have calls where people are upset and we look and we're like, well, we weren't aware of, you know, your situation. Now, once we're aware and we know, we're going to do everything we can to help you out and try to speed the process mm -hmm. along. So definitely report the death as soon as possible. 
and that'll avoid any overpayments and us having to retrieve money back um, or having someone to pay money back, especially if it's money that they don't have. Provide us with a death certificate. That always helps. Once they call in the death, the call center agents usually tell them to send the death certificate as soon as possible. Anybody that's applying for benefits, we are going to need that in order to approve the application. So just make sure deaths are reported timely. If they have any questions about the form, call our office and we'll be more than willing to help them. We really appreciate it. I cannot believe time sure flies when you're having fun. Yes. They're taking the time to appreciate it. Good. I'm so happy. On the road to retirement, one of the most important decisions you can make is who will receive the benefits of your retirement account beyond your lifetime. With Teacher Retirement System of Georgia, your beneficiaries are not decided by documents like wills, divorce, decrees, or marriage certificates. Rather, they're determined only by the beneficiary information on file at TRS when you pass away. Therefore, it's critical that you designate at least one primary beneficiary and one secondary, as well as routinely update your TRS beneficiaries to reflect significant life changes, such as divorce, marriage, births, and deaths. Reminder, beneficiary designation completed with HR does not transfer over to TRS. This includes changes during open enrollment. Also, keep in mind that if you don't have the right person or persons on file, it can lead to costly legal problems and unnecessary frustration. Likewise, if you are the beneficiary on file at the time of a retiree's death, it is imperative that you notify TRS as soon as possible. That's why it's so important that you designate your beneficiaries now. The good news? It's easy to do. Simply log into your TRS account and visit the Designate Beneficiary section to complete the form. And as always, we're here to help you along the way. So here's to good planning and to the road ahead. Wow, 1982. That is when Rick James released the song you just heard. Even then, in his own unique way, he stressed the importance of money and knowing the worth and importance of one's own money. Stay tuned. When we return, we'll be joined by Evangeline Griffin talking about what else? Your money. Hi, this is Everett Crockett. Welcome to TRS, your retirement in focus. Today we are joined by Evangeline Griffin, the operations manager for Master Payroll in the Retirement Services Division. How are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm great. How are you today? And thank you for having me on your show. I'm doing excellent. I really appreciate you stopping by to talk with us today. So let's get right to it, okay? Okay. Excellent. So describe a typical day for Master Payroll. For example, who are your customers in Master Payroll and what exactly do you guys do? Okay, that's a very good question. Um, Master Payroll is basically the dress rehearsal for our payroll deadline, and that's our Master Payroll that we run each month. Our customers consist of all retired members as well as any survivors that are receiving a monthly benefit. We do about 14 to 15 processes. Uh, we handle the EFT payments, EFT changes, ACH reports that come from the bank, address changes, GREA dues, association dues that are deducted from the member's benefit if they elect to be a part of GREA. We handle stop payments. We also process levies, bankruptcies, income verifications, general inquiries, beneficiary changes. We do adjustments to accounts such as sick leave, NZBs, or any other type of recalculations that require us to research account 
and then do a recalculation. Wow, that that's a handful. I uh, recently had a chance to interview Christy Gray as well as Jennifer uh, Ulrich. And I told both of them, I said, y'all in the running for the busiest department at TRS, but I don't know. Uh, based on that list you just gave me, you, you guys are up there too. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so let me ask you, is TRS's benefit payroll entirely done by way of electronic payments or are there other options? Well, currently we're 99% um, electronic and 1% of our payments are paper checks. Are there any other payrolls that you guys do uh, outside of pension payments or is pension payments the only thing you guys really do? Sure. We handle weekly payrolls and daily payrolls. We call those supplemental payrolls and they consist of retro payments for sick leave, recalculations, requests from benefit claims if they need payments issued to a beneficiary or they need to put a beneficiary on payroll. Um, if working after retirement inactivate someone and they put them back on payroll, we also process those checks. Now, if a person does have a paper check and they do a stop payment with replacement, um, if, as long as we enter those by three o'clock on a business day, financial services will call that into the bank. So that check normally will come back the next day. So that's our daily payroll, which is our stop payment. So are retirees or a third party, such as a spouse or child, are they allowed to pick up monthly benefit checks or replacement checks from the TRS office? Due to um, COVID, we're currently not allowing anyone to come into our offices to pick up checks. Uh, prior to COVID, if a member wanted someone other than themselves to pick up a check, they would need to sign a letter, and then the person picking up the check would need to have a photo ID when they picked up the check. However, because of administrative decision, we will not be going back to uh, allowing our members to come in to pick up checks. You know, we talked about that the other day, and I was uh, pleasantly shocked and surprised because I, I thought it was just temporary because of the pandemic, but you informed me, but no, moving forward and from now to forever, there will no longer be a process, you know, uh, be allowed to come in and pick up checks, which I thought was really surprising. Yes, but that was the decision handed down by administration. So I think it's basically for our safety and, you know, because now it's COVID-19. So to just keep everybody safe, um, they made administration dis administrative decision to not allow pickups moving forward. So the old adage, better safe than sorry, definitely sounds like it's in play here. And I agree. I think it's a great decision. That's correct. When are monthly benefits paid by direct deposit to our retirees? Monthly benefits are paid on the first business day of each month. That's when electronic deposits are put into a member's account. Uh, that does exclude weekends and holidays. So if the first falls on a weekend or a holiday, whatever the next business day is, that's when the monies will be deposited. I see. So are paper checks the same way or are paper checks for the retirees mailed at a different point or date in the month? Well, paper checks are mailed on the last business day of each month. I see. Well, that, that, yeah, I imagine you have to give it a little time to clear and to get there. And dealing with business days is a little bit differently. And dealing with electronic transfers is handled differently if you will, from handling uh, paper correspondences. So I think the most important thing is uh, that people should take away from this is that when your money is supposed to be there, TRS ensures that, it's, that it is indeed there. That's correct. Very well. So what is the process for a retiree to apply for sick leave credit? Well, now we uh, retiree has the option of selecting whether or not they want to pursue sick leave 
on the retirement application. If they select, they want to pursue, then their information is sent to their last employer and it goes into an employer inbox. From there, the employer will send us a certified TRS certification form with sick leave. And if there are other forms needed because they have previous employers, we still accept those by mail. Once okay. a member has actually retired, Master Payroll will get a doc type called sick leave pay adjust in our mm -hmm. queue. And we will assign those to evaluate a member's sick leave. Okay. Well, you know, this next question brings back a, a memory for me. Early on in my TRS career, I had a um, a medical concern and I had to take a little bit of time off from work. And I remember I didn't have a lot of time to take off from work either. I, I'm one of those people who enjoy their work-life balance, if you will. I, I, I never have a problem with excess hours in my account. Well, anyway, uh, I recall when I had to take some time off that I would go over my sick leave time with a fine tooth comb because I, I wanted to make sure every minute hour I had that I could take advantage of. So as I think about that, I think about this next question, which is, if a member is questioning their sick leave credit, can they dispute it with TRS? Well, if a member disputes their sick leave, TRS will generate an audit letter explaining the calculation and include the forms that we receive from their employer or employers. And if we've made an error, we definitely will correct that and recalculate the member's benefit and send them a retro payment. However, if there is not any error on TRS's part, we recommend that they dispute that with the employers because we do not keep sick leave records at Teachers Retirement System. Understood. That's great. Now, when can a member expect to see their sick leave adjustment on their retirement checks? Well, that will depend on when we get all the sick leave forms required to process their sick leave. Uh, once we get the forms and if they're completed correctly, it's normally 30 days from the date that we receive their forms from their employer. However, during our peak season, which usually runs from June to September, most of the retirees will retire in the month of June. That's our heaviest month. Uh, we go from a few hundred a month to almost 3,000 in the month of June. So during that time frame, it will take us approximately 45 to 60 days to process their sick leave once we receive the completed forms from their employer. I see. And I can imagine for sure why June is the busiest month. It's the end of the school year. You have teachers who have uh, maybe had some time to, to think about and contemplate whether they want to teach that next year or not or or whether that was it. So yeah, I can imagine June to July being very busy months for you guys. Oh yes, they are the busiest. Anything that comes over from new retirement, it ends up in master payroll because they are ours for life. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. <laughs> now, if a member needs to make changes to their information in their accounts, such as address, tax changes, name changes, et cetera, what's the process for that? Retirees have the option of going online to their account and they can make changes from their account, tax changes, home address changes, and they can make EFT changes. If they don't have access to a computer or online services, they may call our call center and they will update a home address as long as the member can identify themselves properly. Also, they can request from our call center forms to update their taxes or their EFT. Okay. And what's the, um, and what would be the procedure for a retiree 
to change their name due to marriage or in, you know, worst case scenarios, a divorce. <laughs> okay. If a retired member wants to change their name due to marriage, we need a photocopy of their marriage certificate or either the marriage license, along with a signed letter of how they want their name to appear on their account. Uh, in the case of a divorce, uh, we would need a copy of the final divorce decree. And in the divorce decree, it should state that the member is able to restore back to their mate name. Otherwise, we can't really make that change because it has to be a legal change. I see. Yeah, we want to make sure all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed. And we want to be sure we are in uh, compliance with anything that we do. So oh, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what type of recalculations does Master Payroll handle? We handle the sick leave adjustments to a member's account. Uh, we handle in the case that we have a revised TRS Form 8 from the employers. We handle those type of recalculations. If we are researching an account and we determine that there's something wrong with the plan or the beneficiary, we will also do a recalculation uh, under those circumstances. So there are various reasons that we could do a recalculation on a member's benefit. I see. How does TRS recalculate the benefit and why? Well, the why is because we receive additional salary information. Um, sometimes members do dispute um, some contributions that have or have not been reported to TRS, um, the employer will send that information in to member services, and sometimes they will alert us that the person has additional contributions that have come in, so we need to recalculate the benefit, and we'll get an internal route um, letting us know that additional contributions have come in. Or, like I said, the sick leave adjustment forms, we process the sick leave and that creates a recalculation. And then, you know, in the event that there is um, a plan change error or a beneficiary error or something with data entered incorrectly, then we will also do a recalculation to make sure we're paying accurate benefits to our members. That's excellent follow-up information. I'm glad I did follow up and ask that question. <laughs> Well, you're welcome. So listen, oh, you, thank you. Can a retiree who lives outside of the United States have direct deposit with TRS? TRS is currently not able to handle international banks outside of the United States for EFT deposits. Uh, what a member can do, you know, it's always ha it always has to be some type of workaround. They could open a bank in the United States, and once we wire the money into that account, they could get that money transferred to whatever bank in whatever country they're in. Uh, right now, unfortunately, if you're not a part of the National Automated Clearinghouse Association, NACHA for short, then TRS does not have the ability to send direct payments EFT internationally. Well, that's good information. I know I'm I'm nowhere near as retiring anything or anything like that yet, but mm -hmm. I, I've seen some pretty good articles about retiring abroad and how it might be a little more financially feasible to do so. So uh, thank you for that information. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> so are retirees who live out of state required to pay Georgia taxes? No, retirees who live out of the state of Georgia are not required to pay Georgia taxes. However, if they are in the state of Georgia and they move to another state, they will need to notify us by either going online, filling out a Georgia form to stop the taxes, or they need to phone into our call center to get a form 
so that we can send them one. And once we get it back, we will process it and stop their Georgia tax. I see. Well, here's a delicate subject. Can the IRS levy a retiree's monthly benefit? IRS can levy anybody they want to. And unfortunately, <laughs> that includes our retired <laughs> members. So no, we are not above IRS. If we do receive an IRS levy, uh, we are required by federal law to process that against the member's benefit. Understood. And as we stated earlier, we want to do everything we can to ensure that our I's are dotted, our T's are crossed, and that we are in compliance with everything we're required yes. to do. Yes. All righty. What is the process for Chapter 13 bankruptcy court orders? Well, Chapter 13 has to be initiated by the member. And once the court order comes in to TRS, we notify the member and adjust the benefit to accommodate the bankruptcy order. And one good thing about a bankruptcy, if you can say that there's anything good about one, uh, if there is one in process or one on file, it can supersede the levy. Wow, that's, uh, that's good information to know, but it's also rare information. You mean to tell me, <laughs> do you mean to tell me somebody trumped the IRS? And that is amazing, but yes, that's exactly what <laughs> I'm saying. Understood. Well, can a retiree change or cancel their direct deposit for their monthly benefits? Members can change or cancel their direct deposit up to the 14th of the month. Um, that's because we need opportunity to process their request. Now, depending on when our cutoff for the master payroll is, uh, members can still go online probably a little after that date and make changes to affect the current payroll. However, uh, we do request that if it's going to be a paper form, that we get those paper forms into TRS no later than the 14th of each month. Okay. Are there circumstances where overpayments occur in master payroll? Yes. If we receive revised um, sick leave forms where the member has decided they'd rather be paid out than use all their sick leave time, and that reduces the sick leave, then we would have to reprocess their sick leave calculation, and that can cause a decrease in their benefit. Um, the same goes if the employer has additional days that they didn't report for the member. Um, that would definitely cause an increase in their benefit when we recalculate it. And additionally, new retirement, when they put people on payroll, they're using estimated figures from the employer on the TRS certification form eight. If those figures are higher than what the member had, excuse me, what the employer had reported, then of course we will owe the member additional money when we do the recalculation. If the salary figures are lower than what they anticipated or they estimated them to be, then when we do a recalculation on the member's benefit, it will cause a decrease in the member's benefit. Okay. What is an income verification and who requests those? Everybody requests income verification. <laughs> <laughs> income verification basically verify what the member's benefit is. Um, members ask us for different types of things, such as their gross benefit. Sometimes they want the net. Um, sometimes they want the gross net and deductions. Um, sometimes they um, ask us how many years that they retire on, when were they first eligible, and they need this information sometimes for Social Security, mortgages, or if they're in an assisted living facility, they have to report what their income mm -hmm. is to their landlord. I see. 
Yeah, we there's always a check, no matter what you want to do. Somebody's always verifying something your age, your credit score, your income, your address. So it never ends. No, it doesn't. (laughs) If a retiree's check is not showing as deposited into their bank account on the first business day of the month, what should that retiree do and how does TRS handle that type of situation? Call your financial institution to just ensure that there is not a problem with your financial institution. And once they find out whatever information they need from the financial institution, then they need to call TRS. Uh, TRS will immediately put a tracer on the benefit to determine whether or not that payment was deposited or whether or not it's going to be returned to TRS. Um, One thing interesting about that question, we did have a situation, I won't name the financial institution, where they had a glitch in their Mm -hmm. system, and it stretched um, all across the United States, and people were not able to deposit anything in their account, and they were not able to take anything out. So it was a kind of rough period, um, but the retirees knew that that was a glitch on the bank's end. So sometimes things can happen that are not in TRS control. Yeah. And as we know, uh, even with the best of intentions, and as much as we like to handle things uh, electronically and otherwise, sometimes stuff just happens. There, There's all kinds, like you said, glitches. Glitches happen. They just sometimes do. And then you have other instances of, you know, you may have hackers and people holding financial institutions and businesses ransom. I read something just, well, I won't say what I read this morning, but it was relative to one of the candidates' uh, Mm -hmm. political website. And even they were hacked. So we realize that stuff like that happens. And uh, I'd imagine for our retirees, it could be a very scary situation, especially if you do like me, you schedule your bills to go out and I would imagine if my bills were scheduled to go out on the second of the month and my payment hadn't come in on the first of the month, I might be a little bit. I think I would too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Can a retiree cancel a stop payment request if the original check is received? It's going to depend on where are we in the process. If we've already submitted their request to financial services, they normally call those in around three o'clock every day. So if financial services hasn't called in the stop payment, then we're able to cancel that request. However, if they have called that request in to the bank, then we cannot stop it. So the member will have to return the original check back to us, and then we would get their replacement check out to them um, the very next business day. Okay. Can an early retirement penalty be reduced or removed if a retiree has enough sick leave credit? If we process the sick leave and it gives them 30 years, then the early retirement penalty is totally removed. And we pay them retro benefits back to the date of their retirement as if they retire with 30 years. And if they don't have the 30 years uh, and the benefit will still, um, the penalty can possibly be reduced. And I say that because the penalty is not based on months, it's generally based on year. So if you say, for instance, you're short by six months and we give you three months worth of sick leave, you still have a a 7% penalty on you if if the penalty is on service because it's not based on how many months are in that year, but it's based on, on years versus months. That information is going to help somebody to square away their plans for retirement. I'm well, sure. I hope so. All right. 
one more question, and uh, and I can't believe that time has flown by real quick, but we got one more question for you before we try to wrap up and get out of here. When are 1099-Rs mailed to the retirees? Also, if a retiree does not receive it, can a retiree request a duplicate? 1099-Rs are always mailed prior to the end of January. That is an IRS mandate, and we have to have them out. We try to accommodate our members and have them mailed out at least by the second or third week in January. It will depend on when we receive our 1099 hours back from our vendor. Uh, once the 1099 hours come back, we have to pull some of them out, uh, change addresses and different things we have to do to the um, 1099 hours before we can send them back out. But we generally try as a rule of thumb to get them out no later than the second or third week in January. Wow. I must say, Ms. Griffin, the master payroll section is truly right in the center of just about everything that TRS does on a daily basis. It's, uh, it's really clear to see the importance of the work that you and your team do. And I just want you to know you're appreciated. I have no doubt by our retirees, but even more so, I appreciate you taking the time to tell us about all the work that you guys do. I had no idea that y'all with that business. Well, thank you for having me again. And I must say that, you know, um, there's no I in team. Um, I have two coordinators and five specialists, and we work very hard each month to make sure that we produce an accurate and timely benefit to our members. And that is our goal each month to meet, and we do that without fail. I'd just like to say to our members that if they ever have any questions, we're always here to answer their questions. And if they can't get us on the phone, they can always go and make web inquiries on our website. So we appreciate everybody that puts into this system. So we want to show that by giving the best possible customer service that we can. Well said. Well said indeed. Well, thank you again for your time today, Ms. Griffin. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you too. We really appreciate your continued support and listenership of our podcast. Join us next time, Your Retirement in Focus.